2: Ayan, Joy Anglin po. Nabili na po ba ninyo ang dish pack ng Miracle Brokers? Up to 200 pounds kaya pong ilagay dito. Halina po kayo. With Christmas na sa Pilipinas, tamang-tama po para sa mga ati at kuya. Halina po kayo dito sa Miracle Brokers. miski ano pwede pong ilagay dito sa box. pera lang po ang jowa nyo.
0: Contact us at 949-5989 or email us at info at Brokers
1: It was fun. Oh, let me take myself off of myself here. (laughs) It was fun. It was entertaining. It was educational. And it was also the cold hard truth. All intertwined. So what can I say? Sometimes it happens where you're able to get a good mixture of everything. I had persons calling me after the show indicating how much they absolutely enjoyed it last night they said it had the the right formula of seriousness and humor all intertwined in one so thank you guys so much for the feedback you know even in the world of politics folks sometimes we can't help but chuckle a little bit at our predicament it's it's serious and I do seriously have something in my eye as well. It is a serious matter, but at the same time, um, you know, you have to find the humor in life because what else is there? Life is so incredibly short. Um, but we have a lot of serious business that we will be getting through, not to worry. Good morning, Irvine. Sunshine is here for it. Marsha Gay, beautiful, good morning. Um, Marsha, is that a mountain with the sun behind it? Does that mean you're in a mountainous place like maybe Jamaica and you get to wake up and see the blue mountains? We ain't seen no blue mountains around here. Nothing but flat, flat land. But our um, Caribbean correspondent is going to be joining us. We're so excited to have her give us an update on what's been going on in Jamaica. I'm sure she's going to be discussing the rain that we've been having and the floods that Jamaica in particular has been having. So um, thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm just having a quick perusal of some messages here this morning. Um, Let me just see here. very good. All right, we have got uh, Irvland says your water take long for boiling. Well, I'm drinking cold water. No tea for me this morning. Most mornings I just need to hydrate because I don't drink enough water I feel during the day. So hydration is important. So I get it when I can. And I know that when I'm talking, that's the perfect time to drink some water. Anne-Marie, good morning to you. Louis says, good morning, CMR Massive. And he says, Sandra, keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Louis, Anne-Marie, Olivia, Larry, all of you guys, I got something to tell you. It might not be earth-shattering news to any of you, but the establishment They um, are hell-bent on ensuring that they dispose of me before the next election. I keep hearing this narrative from my contacts. My gosh, Sandy, they see you as such an influencer, potentially someone who could sway voters, that they have plans afoot to try to keep you out of the way for the next election. I guess jail is what they're thinking. I don't really know what they have in mind. But, you know, they keep bringing the cases. They keep trumping stuff up. So I keep getting warned, Sandy, this political, I guess the coalition government, I mean, who else would be so concerned about staying in power, um, really has an agenda. And apparently you are not part of that agenda. And you pose a direct threat to them. So um, it's pretty sad when you think about it, but it does mean that we all have to be on our P's and Q's folks. We gotta pay attention to what is going on around here. Um, There's a price to be paid for speaking out and there's certainly a price to be paid as we can see for having a format like Cayman Mall Road. So yes, Ervalyn, I am here and in the flesh. Good morning, Larry from New York. Now, you guys remember, make sure you use your H's when you're talking to Larry, because Larry's like, listen, what's wrong with you people? Why do you keep dropping the H? Beautiful day. Good morning, Beulah. Atlas says, when the video starts, you normally start mid-conversation, so we aren't getting the first part of the video. What video? My little intro video? Um... Hmm. Yeah, I know that. With I wonder, Atlas, how you're watching? Because I do know that with Facebook there is a slight delay, but you should still get it eventually, kind of thing. So it's delayed by a couple seconds. Um, I think that's a Facebook feature, and there's really not much that we can do about that. You know, I've got the setup here with the um, card that connects to the Canon camera and all this kind of fanciness, but. I'm pretty sure there's nothing we can do about that, unfortunately. Joanne Smith says, good morning, Madam Hill. Hello, beautiful Joanne. Class is in session, folks. We are here for it. Ervlyn's already tickled pink. Melita, she's present. Good morning. Happy hump day, Corrine. Yes, it is hump day Wednesday. Hello, Denny Warren Jr. Denny Warren says, Are the farmers market fees going up to pay for the regiment? So, Denny wants to talk about this regiment. Mm. I don't know why the fees are going up, but we're going to be talking about that here in a second. Irvlin's like, What? Uh, so, the first thing that Atlas heard is that it was fun. Okay, well, let me back it up a little bit for you, um, Atlas. We were talking about last night's show. Uh, I read your comment and you said that, you know, you would love for the show to be earlier so that the folks in the UK can catch it. Unfortunately, seven o'clock is the earliest that I can do. Um, I tell you what, it's really, really challenging with the traffic in Cayman if I'm in town. Last night, I barely made it like literally 15 minutes before seven. So there is a challenge with traffic You know, I've got a daughter that sometimes I have to pick her up from school. We might have to stop at the store and grab something. So, yeah, I appreciate your predicament. But what I would say is um, if you go to the Facebook feed or YouTube, you can always catch it up and watch it later on, which I know a lot of people do. Because normally, by the time the show's finished, we've had about a thousand people kind of jumping in and out based on the Facebook numbers. And then we see that, um, then we see the numbers jump over the next couple of days. And they do, they always at least double, triple, sometimes quadruple over the next couple of days. So people are definitely going back and having. A look at the show. So that's what I would recommend because I know that is pretty late in the UK um, is to definitely check it out. So listen, you know, as Kim and Road continues to grow from strength to strength, we are bringing in professionals from all over the region, all over the world. We've got a Miami correspondent. She's well-respected in the field of journalism. She is going to start joining us on our wednesday caribbean connection program because she covers caribbean news for a major newspaper in florida so stay tuned for that i'm not gonna let the the cat out of the bag yet but she will be joining us um she couldn't make it today because she often has very very tight deadlines but she will be joining us hopefully uh next week and occasionally on caribbean connection Wednesdays. so really looking forward to that louie says tea time is true time let them go sit down and watch how things go when people have a voice absolutely louie uh why can i tell you the establishment does not want the people to have a voice and i said this last night and i'm gonna say it again and i'm going to borrow from uh billy adam billy adam is the first first signed member of the People's Progressive Movement, the PPM, which has now shortened their name to the progressives. And just last week he said to me, his leader, AKA AKA Alden McLaughlin, does not um, believe in participatory democracy. So in other words, he doesn't really think that people should be involved in the process of the running of the country. It's none of your business once you've elected him, he becomes the leader and we saw how that ended last night and um you know so it is what it is and you just toe the line and let him do what he's got to do so it's quite interesting we're supposed to have district councils which means that the people get to participate much more in the process and unfortunately that has not yet come to fruition it's actually in the Constitution, it's in the law of the land, the highest law of the land, and that is still being ignored. So I wonder, for those of you who tuned in this morning, good morning, Siobhan and Morna, Mr. Walton, Paulette, Kizzy, Sasha, how do you feel when you know something is in the Constitution? It's mandated. This government has promised it to the people. And here we are about to wrap up in another five months the Legislative Assembly so they can run for public office again, and they have still not put district councils in place. And they've got every excuse under the sun not to do it. I dare say that the people need to wake up. Hmm? It's about time that the people start to wonder, what's really going on here? Is this the kind of representation that we really want? And I know you all, I know what you're thinking. Well, he can't be premier again, so he's just going to run uh, for Red Bay. What harm can that be? Well, as we can see, every single vote counts in the general election. Every one of you If you're not registered to vote, you need to get out there and get registered to vote. And not only does every single vote count, but when you put someone in the legislative assembly, you have no way of knowing what direction they will be swinging when it comes to forming a government. So they can make up a coalition government of anybody. So this folks is where you've gotta be really, really careful because as you can see, This time it was practically like seven, seven, and four or five in West Bay or whatever. And so the ones that were in West Bay had to join ranks. And of course, Kim Brack, they had to join ranks with the progressives in order to form a government. The people of this country did not put the progressives back in power. And it's kind of like the blossom circle You can call it a partner. You can call it a blossom circle. You can call it jumping jacks. Whatever you want to call it, it's still the same thing, right? So these names are superficial because unity government is a PPM-led government, folks. That's the progressives. And so despite the people wanting, in my opinion, a true mixture, a true unity government, that's not really what we got. We got the CDP and the U- and the um, progressives back together, or really we should say together for the first time because they've never been together. Um, one of the things I did not mention last night that has just occurred to me is when I was talking about politicians flip-flopping, the biggest flip-flop of all times totally missed me. I guess I was too into that Soka song, Follow the Leader. Was it focused? Because the biggest flip flop is Alden saying that he would never work with McKeever Bush. David White, who's now elected to Georgetown South, or no, he's not South, that's Barbara, Georgetown West, maybe, wherever he's at, said that he would never, under any circumstances, work with McKeever Bush. McKeever was corrupt, McKeever was this, McKeever was that. And then when it happened, he said, well, he would swallow his own vomit. That's disgusting, first of all. But it also shows a sense of desperation. Anything. We will do anything, including swallow our own vomit. Put someone in a, in a leadership position who we cleaned before should never hold a leadership position. And we will do anything to work with whomever, sell our souls to the devil, sell the country to the devil. It doesn't matter. Just to put our beloved leader of the progressives back in power. And if you guys don't get how that sort of thinking is dangerous. Wow. Yep, Karen, it's something else when you really think about it. Good morning, beautiful Tracy. Tracy says it's a beautiful, sunshiny day and uh, her side of the island. And it's set after a storm. There's a calm, beautiful morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your morning I have never seen before. And of course, Tracy's joining us from Jamrock, from Jamaica. Tracy, there is nothing like sunshine after the rain. It has It has to be one of the most glorious things ever like everything is fresh and crisp and you feel like you know the dirt has been washed away from mother earth just for a couple minutes probably but yeah you kind of get the sense good morning sharon look at the beautiful sharon by the way stick a pin sharon has been holding out on us we did not know that sharon was going to become a grandma again and i saw the beautiful video, the reveal video of where her daughter is going to be having a little girl. So, you know, Sharon is a grandma already. She has um, two beautiful grandchildren, a boy and a girl. And now she gets to add one little princess more to the mix. You can never have enough princesses in my opinion. Um so your son might have to step it up now and see what he can do to even out the score a little bit because you know those two princesses are probably going to beat up on your little grandson or dress him up as a princess. So uh tell Jason to get ready. So congratulations Sharon. I thought that was such wonderful news I saw that. I think it was yesterday actually or over the weekend perhaps. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Good morning, Sue. Um, Karen says the people have no say in the horse trading um, after they're elected. Well, this is why I tell you, Karen. (laughs) Trying to elect people, and I know I'm saying this with a degree of reservation because as I've said last night and I'm saying this morning, politicians are like, They're floundering and flip-flopping all over the place. But try to elect people who you kind of know, you really know where they stand and you believe them. So listen, you people can say whatever you want about the opposition. But when the opposition says they're not going to work with certain people, we can see. Not that they wouldn't work with certain people. Maybe I should correct this. They said they wouldn't put certain people back in a position of power. Because it never seems to end well. And at least based on history, we can see that when they say that, they actually do mean it because they lost the opportunity to form the government. Folks, I'm going to remind you in due course of what happened during the last election, but rest assured that the opposition had every opportunity to form. Uh, the government, had they not stood on a matter of principle. Bonnie says they're full of talk, but once they get elected, it's a horse of a different color. And I do agree with you, Bonnie, but I think we've got some viable options and we need to start holding people accountable for their historic flip-flopping and historic failures. Lizette, good morning to you. Sharon says she's excited about the baby. Nothing like a baby to bring everybody together even more. And Sharon, I absolutely love the relationship, actually, that she has with her children. She just seems like a really great mom. And I know as a result of that, they have had a wonderful example to follow. So I think that's fantastic. Um, Atlas wants to say, is Miss Chantel and Vicky getting married or is there still stuff to sort out with the law? So, um, Atlas, the law is good to go. Uh, it's not marriage, it's a civil partnership. And I do not know, um, what their plans are in terms of that. What we do know is, remember, they actually have a hearing. Their matter has actually gone to the Privy Council. So maybe they will wait to hear what the Privy Council has to say and then make a determination from there. Elizabeth Moya, buenos dias, mi amor, como estas? Oh, Elizabeth Moya. Now I realize, Elizabeth, I got you. I'm just putting the name now with exactly who you are. You're here every morning, I wasn't putting it together. My apologies. I'm with it now. Let us talk about the farmer's market, folks. So over the weekend, I had an opportunity to go and visit the farmer's market. And I was aware of a situation that was brewing. Now, my sincere apologies for a lack of... uh, Our video had some audio issues, and I I think I've sorted that out. I mean, I got to tell you, sometimes the technology frustrates me because... You never know when you're gonna have an issue until afterwards. And unfortunately, video, audio, there's nothing you can do to fix it once it's screwed up. And so, you know, we did a recording, we had our mic all set up and I could see the mic recording, but it looks like it was chipping in and out. And I think I may have discovered, the only way to test it is to go to another interview. Um, but I think I may have discovered what the issue Was and hopefully we can resolve it going forward. But at the end of the day, it's quite unfortunate because it was a really good interview with um, Miss Edna Seymour. But in case you missed it, Miss Edna is a farmer, so she sells her goods at the farmer's market. She's got bananas and pumpkin, you know, she's a small time farmer. She gets her goods and she sells it out there. And, uh, she has informed us that unfortunately the board of the farmer's market has decided to increase the fees. Now, hold on one second. I do need to take a quick little break here. Uh, My sinuses are just a little irritated. So give me one quick second. Let's queue up a commercial from our friends at Miracle Brokers. Okay, thank you guys so much. So, um, the board of the farmers market, which includes Mr. Hamlin Stevenson, which ironically enough, the farmers market is actually named after him, right? So, they made a decision. Don't ask me how they came to this conclusion. To increase the fees. Not just by a couple dollars, but 131%. Now I know 131%, you're like, oh my God, is a $1,000? It's not really. It went from $13 per day to $30 per day. But listen, when you're in the middle of a pandemic and the Premier gets up last week and lambasts the opposition, saying that right now is the time that we have to protect businesses we can't increase pensions we can't do anything that makes people uncomfortable businesses uncomfortable financially puts them in a worse position because unfortunately it will be to the detriment of everyone, the rise, costs of doing business. It's just too much for businesses. And I actually agree with him. Um, small businesses should be his priority. And then when I see a decision like this, where a government-appointed board makes a decision to increase the fees of the farmers, undisturbed by this because when a politician talks about having a policy, not flip-flopping, that's what he accused the politician, the other side of doing the opposition, I have to think, right, surely your board members who you have appointed to carry out your mandate for these different agencies and organizations should have known that there is a mandate in place to not increase fees on anything right now. You just said it in the legislative assembly a couple days ago, just last week. So why would the second we come out of some semblance of, um, the lockdown in June, why would the board at your organization, the farmer's market, decide to increase fees? This is just absolutely ridiculous and crazy. I do not understand it. It makes no logical sense. And it's very, very concerning. It really is. 131%. It was even like, okay, $2 extra. It's more than double. And you know, you go to the farmer's market during the week. There's not a whole lot of people there. They're competing with the big grocery stores. They're competing with street side vendors who don't have to pay anything in most cases. They just set up shop on the side of the road. And so it is really, really disturbing that now because they've chosen to be at the farmer's market, that they're actually going to be penalized for that decision. During a pandemic folks, when every government around the world is trying to help small businesses, Small businesses, on the one hand, the government offered subsidies, and I think that was fantastic. They offered grants to small businesses who applied. Once you showed evidence of being in operation, you had your receipts, that you were legitimate business, you had your business license, and you had been doing business, the government gave out a lot of grant money. And that certainly has helped sustain small businesses. Now, I don't know if poor Miss Edna who is 72 years old, even knew about the grants, or she applied, however, on the same hand, a government appointed board then makes the decision to increase fees for the smallest of the small man. It just blows my mind. It makes no sense whatsoever. And poor Miss Edna, when she starts complaining, because you know Miss Edna might be an elderly lady, but how her mouth come like mile Road. They can't stop it. When she starts complaining, uh, then the board decides to issue her an eviction notice. Folks. Give me one second because I'm about to get real here this morning. And I want you guys, I want to make sure that you guys are paying attention. But of course, as you can see, my sinuses are starting to irritate me a little bit. So just give me a quick second. I'm going to step out of the video, sort this out. And then I'm going to give you the real hard, cool truth on this because this is disgusting. I don't like what this board has done. All right, folks, my apologies. My sinuses are just crazy this morning. Um, so listen, <laughs> what I can tell you is every single member of that board should be fired. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're your grandpa, If it is your neighbor that you grew up with and they're the best farmer in all of the Cayman Islands and that's how they got appointed to this board, they should all be removed and fired from the board. Lack of common sense is gonna be the death of our people. You explain to me, good folks, all of you, 73 of you watching, how the hell does a board during the pandemic make a unilateral decision to alter the lease agreements or the contracts that they have with people? No consultation, no meeting with the poor farmers. We're going to just up your fee 131% and somehow this is going to slide. And you know what? Like Atlas said yesterday, if it wasn't for those pesky little kids, they would have gotten away with it. If it wasn't for Miss Edna, a 72-year-old woman who still has a mortgage, who still has to get up every single day that God gives her health and go to work, does her little farming, go collect her fresh fruits and vegetables, sits in the farmer's market all day and hoping that she can even make $50 for the day for the government to only turn around and take out $30 immediately. It's ridiculous. This woman should not have to be dealing with this kind of baloney at her age. Let me be very frank and honest. There has to be a reason why the farmer's market is empty. You go there, and by the way, Since this has been implemented, others have left. Some people are there. They're not farmers. They're artisans. They're selling their handmade jewelry, Caymanian arts and crafts, whatever. They can't afford to pay $30 a day going from $13 per day. Let's not forget the $100 deposit when you go into the market in the first place. And the same market that floods out every time you get a little bit of rain, the same market that has no promotion, when was the last time you saw the farmer's market bored? Because they would be the ones responsible for this, right? So I don't know what they're increasing the fees for because only God knows what they're going to do with the money. When was the last time you saw them promoting anything on behalf of the farmer's? Promoting the facility. I don't think I've ever seen them actually do it. So can we get some explanation from the Farmers Market Board in terms of what on earth this increase is for during COVID? You do nothing to help the small man out, but you do everything to try to hinder him and put processes in place, right? That makes it difficult for people to earn a few dollars. I do not understand this logic. Now, I'm not an unreasonable person. I'm open to hearing an explanation. They have a Facebook page, The Farmer's Market, They have posted nothing since May the 6th. And that was when they were asking you to wear your mask when you went out to the market. Before that, oh, yes, my apologies. They have that one pinned at the top. They do have one from July the 24th saying that, oh, we're open again. All of five people liked that post. Well, I guess since they only have how many people following them? oh, they got a they got a couple seventeen hundred people. But no promotions, no nothing. Wow, they have some nerve. Really, I'm, I'm disgusted, quite frankly, by this move. And I think the government, this is now where this flip-flopping government should flip-flop on behalf of the people and say, you know what? Uh, this board has made a very poor decision. One that they obviously could not have run by this government. One that the government does not support. So we will support the poor people. Get rid of all the board members, please, Alden McLaughlin. And put board members in place who actually care. Now, poor Miss Edna is facing deportation from the farmer's market. They are evicting her, folks. Here's the best part. She has been paying, I showed you the receipts, she has been paying her regular daily fee every single day. Miss Edna might not be a PhD graduate. She might not be a lawyer. She's not a doctor. She is not walking around with a big-time degree, but the woman got common sense, something that is sorely lacking in this country on more than one level. So she keeps every single receipt, folks. She has been paying the regular fee. And then she probably was able to scrounge up the extra dollars. And she took them $300 towards the excess fee, the increase, which by the way, from a contractual perspective, now you guys know I'm not a lawyer, but I do have a law degree. And I have studied contract law. And it is unconscionable to think and quite unlawful in fact, that you can change a contract unilaterally. I get this all the time. Oh, I have an employment contract, my employer wants to change it. Well, your employer can't change it without your accepting it. Contracts are two way. So even a lease agreement, if your landlord comes to you and say, well, I wanna do X, Y, Z, you do not have to accept it. And the fact that the the board at the farmers market seems to think that they can just unilaterally change a lease agreement, change a contract. Is another reason why they should all be fired. That's unconscionable for a government board to be doing that. So. There's more than one issue here, folks. No consultation with the farmers. Increasing their fee 131% during the COVID pandemic when we should be looking out for small businesses. And instead, this is what we have a government-appointed board doing. Now, I have a question for you guys. If this government had a certain mandate, no fee increases right now. Let's just try to hold it down We try to help small businesses out. Explain to me, please, how is it possible that your boards don't seem to know what your government mandate is? What happened? Where did the conversation go? Give me one quick second, folks. So Tracy says, Miss Edna is not afraid to speak out. She's my friend and she always speaks her mind. Well, guess what? In this country, when you speak your mind, when you dare to have a voice, there is a price to pay. So you can speak your mind. Oh, yes, they're going to tell you you have the freedom to speak your mind. (laughs) But do not think for one minute. That that freedom does not come without consequences. So she has spoken her mind and she has now been evicted. She's gotten a notice to say, get out of the farmer's market. Kizzy, my apologies. I'm having a little bit of sinus issues this morning and I tried to blow my nose off camera. (laughs) So that's why I removed myself. So yes, my friend, speak up. That's your constitutional right to do so that is protected by the Constitution of the Cayman Islands. But when you have elected officials, public officials who turn around and put board members in place, who think that they can do whatever the hell they want without any consequences, no oversight, no one's telling them what to do, then of course things like this will happen. A 72-year-old woman has been issued an eviction notice from a farmer's market that is empty as hell, you would think that they'd be glad to get her $13, even if she can't pay the increase $30. Cause there's nobody there. I don't even know how the farmer's market is sustainable. But what I do know is at a time like this, this makes absolutely no sense. It's unconscionable. It is just wrong, folks. There is no other way to slice this. You can't make right wrong, and you can't make wrong right. So Ms. Edna shared her story with us this weekend. She said there are others in the farmer's market who feel the exact same way, but they're afraid. Maybe they'll get an eviction notice as well. She even shared with us that apparently there's an informer. (laughs) Imagine that an informer in the farmers market who sits there and runs to Mr. Hamlin and the board with every little thing that happens. Maybe they're not getting an increase. I don't know. Maybe they're getting some sort of kickback for their informant services. I don't know how that works. What I do know, folks, is we cannot sit back as a people and see an injustice happening and allow it to happen and keep our mouths shut. We would be worse than the Farmers Board. Catherine wants to know who is on the board. Siobhan says they're probably just trying to get rid of them. Maybe they have some big plans for that location. Well, let's see if we can find out. Who's on the board? Because you know, Catherine, one of my issues is these government websites are never updated. So we don't know who the heck are on most of the boards anyway. Um, but let's see, I know Mr. Hamlin Stevenson is because he is the chair of the board. He's the one who signed the letter that I saw evicting or attempting to evict uh, Ms. Edna. So they got themselves a nice little website. Um, I see vendors on here. And it's got a whole list of vendors, folks. You know what, let me pull this page up because I want you guys to see this, how outdated this clearly is. They better be spending some of that money updating the website. That would be in their best interest. Let's have a look at the website, folks, because you know me can't take the foolishness, honestly. So let's have a look here. Vendors for the farmer's market. Now, do you guys see this? If you were believing this, you've got Miss Dorothy, uh, Edna's Green Grocery, Eileen's Native Crafts, wow, there are lots of businesses here at the farmer's market, if you believe this outdated website. Farm Fresh Direct, Hamlin's Farm, Healthy Alternatives, the list goes on and on, Island Produce, Island Organics, Ivy's Cayman Treats, Launa's Jewelry, Local Apron, Pillowcases, Towels, and more. Mama's Fresh Coconut, One Love Farm, Plantation Organic, Roots Kitchen, Plant Stand, Sparky's Farm. Them Lion. Most of these businesses are not there. You go there, even on a Saturday, you're lucky to see four vendors, maybe five. Um, farmer's Market do yourselves a favor, update your website to be reflective of the truth. We see a little bit here about the farmer's market. Where, who, and when. No information on the board. Let me see here now hold on a second you must be kidding me (coughs) they have sponsors at the farmers market Lord Jehovah hold on people Jesus please come and take the bus what the hell are you people telling me you actually have corporate sponsors People who sponsor the farmer's market and allow you to operate and you have the nerves to increase the fee on the poor people during COVID. This is where the corporate sponsors now need to say, hold up a second. AL Thompson's, Avcom, Andrew uh, Guthrie. Don't know who that is. Bob Wattlers of Wattlers Metals. Brian Hunter, we know who Brian is. He's a local attorney. Cayman Hearing Center, Cayman National Bank, CIAA, Cereba. This is one of the biggest lists of sponsors I've seen in a long time. Corporate Electric, Cox Lumber, CUC, Dart Realty, Dr. Sydney Ebanks. Dr. Sydney. do you know these shenanigans are going on at the farmer's market? Quality Seeds. Gaston Malone, Maloney, whoever that is, Grant Thornton, Cayman Islands, that's another accounting firm, Island Paving, ITC, JC Calhoun and Coldwell Bankers, John Doak, these are some money people, Kirk's Home Center, Massive, McAlpine, Ministry of Agriculture, Ministry of Tourism, the National Roads Authority, Patrick Panton, Paul Baden Heavy Equipment, Tony's Toys, Trident Trust, Vamp Motors, and Whitaker's Farm. Now you tell me something. Let's let's just say, for the sake of argument, that this is probably outdated, just like everything else about the farmer's market. Okay. So let us assume for a second that um <laughs> This is this is so this is just absolutely interesting and let me let me tell you something here now now I'm not trying to call out poor Mr. Hamlin because I know he's a farmer he's a man and he's hustling but can somebody tell me why on this website the contact information for the farmers market has his Facebook link to his personal farm why does it not have the link to the farmer's market Facebook page. Uh, okay, I'm just wondering here. That'll make no sense. Why are we taking someone to a private farms page and not that of the actual farmer's market itself? Everybody see that? Listen. Don't get me started, please. Even if a third of those corporate sponsors still exist, my question is, what are they sponsoring? How much are they contributing? And why was it necessary at this particular time to go up on the fees for the poor farmers? Miss Edna has been at the farmer's market from day one. Walton, I did speak to them about that. And what they're getting is a little space and a farmer's market that floods every single time it rains. Listen, this is not acceptable, folks. We cannot allow the poor farmers to be further disenfranchised. It's hard enough being in that industry, trust me. You are competing with all sorts of people. Unfortunately, I cannot find anything Catherine and who the board members are. It's not on their website. In terms of full transparency, it really should be, but it isn't. So I shall continue digging to see if I can find out. I don't know, Karen, if these particular board members are paid or not, because some board members are paid and some are not. But that's a whole other discussion about board members across the board being paid to sit on boards. And some are paid the equivalent of a full-time salary, folks, because they claim that there's so much work involved in doing what they do. Tracy, she hasn't left. She has no intentions of leaving. And thank you, Louis, for that suggestion because that's exactly where I was going with this. If we need to get ourselves together, and when we say when I say we, I mean me, and maybe some of you, But I know some of you so scared. You're scared like puss. Oh, no. I'm behind you, Miss Sandra. I'm behind you, Miss Sandy. But Lord, I can't lose my little job. I can't go out there. You must go. Put your neck on the block for poor Miss Edna. I, I understand, folks. We all have families to feed. Me, too, you know. But at some point in this country, you have got to recognize that your collective voices are stronger than the 18 people that you've elected to political office and the nine of those or 10 of those that are running the show and ruining your lives and telling you that you can't do anything about it. Stop being afraid. The story went up over the weekend, as I suspected. The board has said nothing. They have made no comment on this. I am expecting them not to, I suppose. But the right thing to do, folks, would really be to reverse that fee. Now, I see an article here, quite interestingly enough, talking about farmers getting additional funding from the government. It's so funny that Luke came out and just carried this article right after our expose on the farmer's market. I'm sure the government must have sent this press release out in a hurry. We didn't get it. About, oh, we've given a million dollars has been appropriated in the budget. Oh, yes. Well, they just did the appropriation a couple days ago, so no one's got any money. But they're going to give out a million dollars, they claim, for farmers to help farmers out. Well, you know what would make sense? Is just don't increase their fees. You know what I'm saying? To me, that's that's just crazy. So they're going to allocate $16,000 for this and that over two years, blah, 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 blah. All political posturing, folks, how about you tell your board, we will still give some financial assistance to farmers because I'm sure they need it, but do not increase any fees. Maybe you need to subsidize the farmer's market with that million dollars or a portion of it so that they don't increase the fees on the little man, get it together. That's all I'm going to say on this folks until we're ready to protest. We're going to give them an opportunity to rectify this. And if they do not rectify it, if it's just me and Coco alone, we will be out there protesting by the farmer's market on behalf of Miss Edna. Unity and strength. uh, Sorry, Louis says unity strength. Standing up takes like-minded people. Truth defenders are what force change in the right direction. Walton says, why do you think they need those sponsors? Do you think $30 a day can pay for cleaning, utilities, and maintenance? I don't know what a $30 a day is going for. I have never seen a budget, uh, financials, nothing from that board. Like I said... You don't even hear from them. They've not updated their website since July. So they can't have the world's best marketing person. So honestly, I don't know. I have no clue. They have a Gmail address that's free. So what are they using the money on? Presumably Walton, the farmer's market is a government-owned facility. That's why it has a government board. Just like beaches and so on, they already have people who go around uh, as part of, I forget what that government agency is called now, recreations, beaches, and something. And it is their responsibility to clean up public parks, beaches, public locations, or whatever. Now, I think they had some deal with DART where for the beach that he was gonna get and the West Bay Road access, that he would have assisted in taking over some of those responsibilities. So what are they doing with the money? I have no clue. Danika is joining us from Jamaica. Good morning, Danika. Good morning, Sandra. How are you guys? We're good, how are you?
2: I'm hanging in. It's been a good morning. It's a sunny morning. Sunny morning
1: here. Yes. Finally some sunshine. Finally some sunshine. I can see clearly now that the rain is gone. Indeed. (laughs) So if you guys are new to the show, Danica is no stranger here. She is going to tell us a little bit about... Her day now is Wednesday. She joins us on Wednesdays for a bit to tell
0: us
1: about about what's going on
0: in the region.
1: So So give us your update.
2: Okay, so some of the headlines from around the region. Preliminary reports suggest that um, the damage from Tropical Storm Zeta could cost the Jamaican government in the region of $2 billion in repairs. If some of you would recall checking the Cayman Mall Road website over the weekend, you would have saw that Jamaica experienced significant heavy rains from Tropical Storm Zeta. Though the storm didn't directly threaten our island, the outer bands sent a lot of heavy rains and winds across the island, which resulted in not only damage to the road network, but also in fatalities. As you would recall, there was a man whose house um, was impacted by a landslide after a wall collapsed on the house. He and his daughter were later found lifeless, um, you know, after the emergency crew went to search for them. So that's a tragedy as a result of Tropical Storm Zeta. All across the island, there was significant flooding. Roads were impassable. Several people, um, you know, were trapped in communities. There were all these viral videos of people carrying caskets across large water bodies. There was also a tragedy at um, Treasure Beach, which is on the island's south coast, in which a man is presumed dead after he was at the beach on that day. Um, The interesting thing is that because Tropical storm Zeta's outer bands affected the island. I assume that most people didn't take it as seriously because funerals were still being conducted. People were still at the beach, and this now has resulted in a lot of hardships for some people. Um, so that that's that's a situation there with the weather. Moving now to Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago has introduced. Um, New polymer notes. Um, these are bank notes that the 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 country there is transitioning to. And if you any of you would know, polymer notes are like um, I guess you could call it um, like a plastic material. So these notes are said to be. Less, it, they're said to be higher in security, which um, makes it more difficult for people to tamper with these uh, these notes. So they're being introduced by the government, and they are said to come into circulation as early as next week. Um, I wanted to give you guys a quick roundup of the COVID numbers. So the COVID case count in Trinidad and Tobago is 5,568 cases. Less than or just a little over a thousand of those are active cases. The country has a death toll of 106. That's today. Barbados has 233 cases of COVID-19 and 7 deaths while Jamaica has 8787 cases of the coronavirus and has and is reporting as of today 196 deaths. that's that's what's going on in the regional headlines. So we had Tropical Storm Zeta repair bills coming in in Jamaica, Trinidad introducing new polymer banking notes, which are said to increase security, COVID-19 numbers, um, which basically shows relative stability across the region. Um, Both Trinidad and Jamaica are reporting New infections trending down. And while the death toll remains high in Jamaica, um, the good news, or better yet, is that the good news, or better yet, not so good news, is that they have come up with new strategies to contain the virus, though some of these strategies are seen as a little bit contentious um so you'll you would have heard that uh, jamaica has procured the drug remdesivir it's not yet known whether the this is being used in a clinical setting um, you would know that's 250 dollars per dosage of remdesivir which is um almost ridiculous based on the economic challenges that the country is facing at this time so that's just uh recap of our headlines from around the region moving on to um entertainment so in entertainment news over the weekend um you would have seen that we posted a story about entertainer beanie man who collapsed at his mother's funeral um many people would not be aware but the funeral was held in saint elizabeth and as you know, Kingston is a more, is, is a place that's more monitored. What happened out there is that there were hundreds of people at this funeral, allegedly, based on the video footage, it did look like more than the government regulated 15 persons that should be in attendance at a funeral. Um, and at the funeral, there was chaos because he collapsed at the at the gravesite and people are seeing carrying him away from the location. Um, He yesterday released a statement, well, last night really released a statement, you know, thanking all his well-wishers and fans, and also clarifying that he was not hospitalized following the incident. I don't know which media house reported that, and that, you know, he was recovering well and that he was just overwhelmed with grief and also a little bit um, tired, I would say, from the exhaustive planning that goes into, you know, laying a parent to, to rest. And also to remember that people do tend to struggle a lot, particularly when you're putting a loved one you know, a parent—you're um, preparing funeral preparation for a loved one it can be very stressful. I mean, unless you've gone through that, maybe you can't empathize. So that was a big story. He did not address the fact that there was an, an a large crowd at the funeral. He has not addressed that. Um, the government has been silent on that. As you would know, there's a lot of controversy surrounding what Jamaican entertainers are saying about the COVID 19 pandemic. We had a video of Buju Banton going viral last week, in which he basically said he didn't believe that you know the mask wearing protocol was effective in containing the spread of the virus. Um, his daughters quickly took to social media, one of whom is a politician to suggest that people should not listen to their father's advice, as he encouraged people to free themselves and not wear the mask, noting that he wouldn't be wearing the mask. His um, his comments have gotten support, found support in another reggae artist, Tanya Stevens. So we are seeing this general trend towards, I guess, a resistance to the COVID-19 protocols with many people suggesting that, you know, these protocols don't work. Um, There's another argument that they're only in place for the rich. Speaking of the rich, that leads me to another entertainment story. Kim Kardashian last night received major backlash after she posted photos of a family vacation. Well, not a family vacation, but her 40th birthday party, which Mm -hmm. turned into a mini family and friend vacation on Twitter, in which none of them were wearing masks, none of them were socially distant. She claims that they were in quarantine for weeks, and they decided to go off to a private island. People have said this is insensitive in light of everything that's going on in the world. It doesn't set a mm-hmm. good precedent. It throws, you know, mud in the face of the poor. She's been referred to, uh, she's been likened to as Marie Antoinette. It's been really, really hard for Kim Kardashian this week. Further- right, Kim Kardashian. Shall please?
0: Well, she's, she's a, a, a billionaire. She's
2: she is used to getting love, so it's been yeah. real difficult. She can sleep with for, some of that money, <laughs> and and particularly, particularly one of the things that stood out to me is that one um, Twitter user was able to look very deeply into one of these pictures and actually spotted a servant well, I won't say servant. Servant's not the right word, but a server, somebody that was serving them food that was wearing a mask. And this further sparked more outrage on the social media platform. So that's the headline. So we have a lot of Jamaican entertainers coming out to bash social distancing and mask wearing protocols. We also have Kim Kardashian receiving some major backlash after she posted pictures of her 40th birthday party on a private island. And we also have Beanie Man fainting at his mother's funeral, which while a sad sad occasion, some people have come out to trash him for not following the COVID-19 restriction on gatherings. Hot so,
0: mess.
1: That's it from around the region. All right. Well, we have a little I- bit more information here, Danica. So stand by. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I've got some uh, breaking news here this morning that someone has just sent me in relation to Scotia Bank in Jamaica. So of course, right. we um, try to keep you guys updated with all the business news as well that is happening around the region. So just give me one second. Apparently, Scotia Bank is closing a number of branches. Two
2: branches. Yes, Mm
1: -hmm. in Jamaica and going to a digital platform. And more and more, I think the truth of the matter is people can expect this to happen. I know during COVID, a lot of persons um, were stressed out because they felt like, um, you know, businesses were too digital and there was no options when banks were shuttered and businesses were shuttered. There's very little that they could do, but here's an announcement that has just come in. So Scotiabank um, Jamaica has announced the closure of the Black River branch um, coming in February of 2021, the Old Harbor branch in April of 2021, and six other branches will be converted to digital only by January of uh, next year. So that's a lot. I don't know how how many branches Scotia has in Jamaica, but that sounds like probably all of them (laughs) are either going digital or um, a few are closing. What, what's, uh, mm-hmm. wow, that's quite some news. Um, um, I um, guess with,
2: what they've come out and said is that, you know, those two branches in particular that are closing or their services are being relocated to larger branch, like Black River is being relocated to Santa Cruz. And I guess somebody could do the the distance cal- calculations. They were saying that they've had a major fall off in usage. They're saying that 50% drop in foot traffic to branch because of online transactions. So, I mean, it hasn't been a particularly good year for Scotiabank either. I mean, the bank in uh, September of this year, um, reported that a decline in profits, and it was linked to the unexpected economic slowdown. For the nine months ending July 31st, Scotiabank recorded a net income of $5.5 billion, which is down from $9.7 billion during the same period last year. Total revenues amounted to about $32.1 2.1 billion a reduction of 1.7 billion when compared to 2019 so i mean i think the bank is also taking a hit um they're doing a lot to kind of revamp themselves and realign themselves with the 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 global atmosphere, I yeah. mean, even earlier this week, they had announced that I think it's their junction, St. Elizabeth branch would be converted into a cashless service center, meaning that the bank would no longer offer, offer cash transactions in branch. So I think in general, there's a shift away from physical transactions
1: and physical interaction <laughs> to Sorry, Coco's weighing in on the situation there. So you had done a story, um, Danika, on the economic situation in Jamaica. Um, Any sort of updates on that? You talked about the Bank of Jamaica and unemployment.
2: Right. So um, in Jamaica, the situation is that the central bank, which is the Bank of Jamaica, BOJ, continues to intervene in the economy. And by that, what do I mean? They keep flooding the foreign exchange market with U.S. dollars. That's significant because 15 million U.S. dollars was sold to authorized cambios and dealers on Monday. Um, The frequent interventions have a... Well, they serve sort of to enable monetary policy because what you would have happening is that the U.S. dollar would be trading for much higher had these interventions not happened because the intervention also means that Cambios and other institutions that receive this money at a, at a whatever rate that they're giving it to them at can only sell it back for, I think, 20 cents higher. So it maintains the stability of trading within the market um, however, you know, even the central banker, Richard Biles has said frequent interventions were unsustainable, warning that continuing in such a way could significantly reduce the country's non borrowed reserves, which is those reserves that you have if the country gets into trouble. I mean, as some of you, your, your listeners and viewers and readers would know, Late last year, Jamaica finally wrapped up its IMF agreement, and that was a big milestone for the country that had for many years been on an, an IMF program that meant austerity. That means that you know the Jamaican dollar, 60 per, 60 cents of every Jamaican dollar was being sent to service was being spent to service loans rather than going to sectors like health, education, and that was one of the main reasons why there hasn't been a lot of investment in key areas. Now that we're back on a good footing, it is almost, you know, I would say terrible that we've had the COVID-19 situation, which seems to be depleting all of the hard work and all of the struggle of the people who have had to endure all these austerity measures. And to me, it seems like we might be heading back into some sort of agreement soon, particularly with the IMF. Maybe if it's not as stringent as um, agreements before, it definitely suggests that we might at minimum have a standby agreement. So that's, that's with relation to the economic situation. The economic situation is further being impacted by suggestions that the U.S. might not be giving us aid depending on how we behave, particularly as it relates to companies, Chinese firms, which um, are expected to build out Jamaica's 5G network. Um, I know many of you would have seen on Twitter, for example, the U.S. ambassador to Jamaica getting embroiled in a big Twitter hullabaloo with a bunch of people online where he basically says, you know, I am not in agreement with Jamaica partnering up with Chinese firms to build out their 5G technology, basically espousing Washington's position that the Chinese can't be trusted. Um, They're suggesting that, you know, data, privacy, there's all these issues that smaller nations like Jamaica are not trying to look at or not being mindful of. They're suggesting that Huawei and ZTE are companies that could pose a potential national security risk to the United States. It's an interesting argument, but one of the things is that we don't have a lot of information About this situation from both sides, because what happens is that the US says one thing and then the Chinese, I don't know if it's just a language barrier. All they've done is denied the claims. Mm -hmm. So there's not really much of a discourse to be had because, for example, I'm not a 5G specialist. I don't really know how different 5G is from 4G. My understanding is basic that 5G is faster than 4G and that this would require bigger data centers to store um, your personal information. Who has access to these data centers even now? I have no idea, but the US is suggesting that there might be trouble for Jamaica if we choose to partner up with the Chinese. But many Jamaicans online are saying, doesn't matter. We're not sovereign anyway. We're basically going with the, the, the bitter, the highest bidder. right now. We're not in a position really to say no to the Chinese. And I think that's shaping up to be, you know, quite an interesting battle because nobody quite nobody knows, you know, there, uh-huh. there, there's so much controversy. And let me read a few of the, the comments, you know, after Tapia basically said, you know, there could be consequences for Jamaica doing this. One person wrote, you know, are you the governor of Jamaica? And Tapia responded on Twitter saying, you have a prime minister, not a governor. You don't know who runs your own country. And then he basically went on to state that, you know, the media house that carried this story didn't carry it in its entirety. He asked, where is the full tape conveniently lost? And then another person responds, Ambassador, you ought to have known that Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Nationwide would publish snippets. And. Mm-hmm. Another person goes on to say, anyone afraid to tell Tapia to mind his own business or they are, or, or are they afraid to lose their visas? He responds very, very, very saltily saying, you must have been turned down. Sounds like you're an angry guy. And I mean, these tweets go on for years. I mean, a good 60, 70 tweets. So it's a lot. I do think one of the most witty m- remarks that, that were made on the platform was that, you know, Tapia goes on to say, somebody goes on to say, leave Jamaica's internal affairs alone. You're being a bully. And he responds, sell your freedom. You'll be like the people of Hong Kong. I thought it was interesting. It was just a hot yeah. mess. On Twitter. Well, I'll
1: tell you what is interesting, um, you know, last week we were talking about um, the committee of, I think it's now called 24-whatever, the whole decolonization remit of the United Nations. And I think it's interesting that countries like America, for example, um, continue to meddle in the affairs of other countries. I mean, Jamaica was not a colony of... Um, the US, so I think it's interesting that the US, their long arm, their long diplomatic arm, is reaching from their shores to Jamaica and they're trying to tell Jamaica what to do. I'm not so sure it's any of their business. Um, I Um, do understand that there are concerns about the Chinese and the, um, the sort of growth that China's had in the region and they're securing you know, partnerships with countries by throwing a lot of money at them because traditionally in the past 25 years, China has been the ones to have had a lot of money to loan out to even countries like the US. And so I get that there are concerns about that. It shifts the balance of power <laughs> away from... <laughs> Sorry, Coco is trying to... Join in the conversation here. I'm going to close the window because the less she sees, the better. Um, so I do, yeah, I do appreciate that um, there's a shifting of the balance of power, and that must make the Americans very, very uncomfortable. And I also get that Chinese don't really play by the same rules a lot of times when it comes to human rights, etc. But hey, they were the first ones to point out during the fiasco over the COVID in the summer months of what was happening in the U S with yet another black man having lost his life and all of the protests that ensued and the police brutality that ensued and the, you know, total ignoring by the Trump administration and others of human rights violations, trying to, to squash the protests. The Chinese were the first ones to point fingers at the U S going really isn't this ironic you want to talk about us, but it looks like your own house needs a lot of cleaning up. So um, it's interesting when when big powers are playing with each other, they're playing games and it's the little smaller countries, the smaller economies like Jamaica, that kind of get caught in the middle. So Larry is giving Coco a shout out. Thank you so much, Larry. Um, Mm -hmm. Just a few other things that are happening today in the region. We see that CARICOM leaders are supposed to be meeting tomorrow. So this is making um, headline news today. Um, apparently they are meeting, of course, the CARICOM, which is the Caribbean community um, is head up by chairman, Ralph Gonzales of um, he's St. Vincent and the Grenadines. He's the prime minister, Dr. Ralph Gonzales for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And they're having their 40, 41st regular meeting of the CARICOM leaders. Of course, it will be held virtually. Because of the situation with COVID. Um, And I'm not quite sure what they have on their agenda, but all of them will be, I'm talking about, I'm sure COVID is is the top discussion really. So, 15 member CARICOM countries have recorded 955 deaths and 42,765 positive cases. Now, I know that I've shared on this program before that the Caribbean actually has a higher death rate. Her infection. Um, so in other words, you're more likely to die from COVID-19 if you are in the region than if you are in all of the rest of North America, which is quite interesting. Um, in some other news, Danica, I don't know if you heard me speak earlier that we will be having, um, hopefully next week, another regional correspondent. She works for the Miami Herald and she does all of their regional news for the English-speaking America. Um, She hopefully will be joining us occasionally on our Caribbean Connection Wednesdays. And she actually shared a story recently about Kanye West. Apparently he is claiming um, that, you know, they actually have, that he has somehow acquired an island off of Haiti. And uh, there's some guy in New York that's like, hold on a second, not so fast. So we know Kanye has some mental health issues. So probably There is an island off of, between Haiti and Jamaica, it's called the Navassa Island,
2: I believe that I did a viral story, it went viral many years ago, maybe three years ago, about, it has about 700 views, um, talking about Navassa, and it has a very large history, but it's uninhabitable, because basically, you know, since the Americans left there in the 1800s, nobody's been there, they used to collect bird poop
1: there, that was used for... I think this one might be a different island, actually. Okay, it's good. Co- it's called Point Quest. Um Point. I might be mispronouncing that because, of course, that's probably a French name. Um, okay. But it's considered prime beachfront parcel um, off the northwest, off of northwest Haiti. Mm. So, and it was actually named by um, as one of the top beaches by Condé Nast Traveler magazine. But, um, yeah, so Miami-based parent company Carnival Lines recently signed an agreement with the Haitian government to develop that area for its cruise ship passengers. But according to Kanye West, who, as we said, is described as an eccentric rapper and producer, um, he's claiming that the president of Haiti gave him an island to develop.
2: Well, Uh, he was just in Jamaica and he was just in Haiti, so it's not impossible, and we do... I mean, it's not like the United States. The Caribbean is a very shaky place, and by
1: by that I mean Haiti is an incredibly corrupt nation. Any French speakers here? This is the name of the island, apparently. Um, So there's an American lawyer who says that that's ridiculous because um, the the Haitian government has given them a 99 year lease on this property, so or on this island. So it sounds like a a big uh, crazy situation, which, you know, when it comes to Kanye, we expect a little bit of um, craziness. Um, the Baha- in, bah- in Bahamian news, uh, this is quite interesting, but their government has said that maybe this is the Prime Minister of Finance, Peter Turnquest has said that maybe they can start collecting um, money Taxes, VAT, value added tax, off of social media. Hmm. So, it's interesting. interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let me just let me just clarify what he's actually saying about this. No, okay. Social media giant Facebook announced that it is going to be collecting value added tax on ads on its platform from the Bahamas. But then the Minister of Finance, Peter Turnquest, is saying, which he said yesterday, that other countries should not be allowed to earn tax revenue from activities taking place in the Bahamas, while his country gets nothing. Yes, so hmm. um, it's quite interesting that um, as of November the first, Facebook isn't going to be charging VAT for Bahamas based businesses hmm. so now. Yes. Um, talking about digital services and products such as Amazon, eBay and Netflix. So the Bahamian government is now thinking, well, hold on, we should be getting some of that money. Hmm. So I'll send you that link. Cause that looks like a very interesting story. It's actually hmm. just, just gone up um, in terms of regional news. Um, And the Bahamian government, sorry, the Nassau Guardian has up a story saying that they are very, very concerned about what the government is doing to flatten the curve in terms of the COVID situation. So their daily positive cases are in excess of 110. And so now they're questioning the effectiveness of the current health protocols and thinking that they need to shift gears in order to um, try to flatten the curve a little bit because that's not quite flat. So as of Monday, um, the Bahamas had 6,502 confirmed cases of uh, COVID-19. And over the last seven months, um, they've had kind of up and down with lockdowns, curfews, restrictive measures, and still they continue to have what they say is a high case number on a daily basis. So I suppose that is a situation to monitor. Like I said, most of the Caribbean, unfortunately, is struggling with this. Cayman's situation is a little bit different. Uh, We have been able to pretty much contain it. We do know that travelers pose the biggest risk. And at the moment, they're subjected to a 14-day quarantine. However, having said that, we uh, did a story yesterday that was a CMR exclusive where basically the chief medical officer has admitted that there are a handful, and we don't know what a handful is, we don't know how big his hands are, of persons who are allowed to come in who do not have to necessarily adhere to the strict um, quarantining provisions. And so we are hoping that we can get additional information on who those persons are exactly, how much is a handful, and what other restrictions are supposedly in place to try to keep us all safe.
2: Can I also ask the question is, um, over the weekend, I know that we reported that close to 200 students graduated from the John Gray High School, congratulations to them. One of which is now in school in Jamaica and joined the graduation ceremony via, I guess, a platform like Zoom.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and I wanted to know, none of the pictures showed any of the students wearing masks at this event. and you know, there were said to be a hundred, hundreds of people in attendance. Yeah, What is your policy there in Cayman on mask wearing?
1: So at the moment, um, we do not have to wear masks in public places except for um, certain medical facilities. A private company, so even if you go into a private space, they can indicate that they want you to wear masks. Um, But yeah, we're free to um, gather up to 500 people. You can go to grocery stores and other public gatherings without mask required. So that was the last, we're like at level two, minimal suppression. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, when you go to places like the hospital, for example, last, um, I think it was Friday, the hospital had a massive job fair and literally hundreds of people turned out for that. It was very, very successful. Within the first hour, I think they probably had over 300 people. But um, in that environment, masks are still required because of the high risk um, you know, involved. But yeah, there's no mask required. Even in schools, there are no masks required. So there are still some social distancing protocols in place, like the desks are spread out, hand washing stations have been installed and so forth. But um, yeah, so... Um, that's where we're at. Um, but, you know, I keep seeing on social media, we monitor the social media chatter a lot. And I do keep seeing people like, when are they going to lift the 14-day quarantine? And I'm thinking, are you people crazy? Uh, lifting the 14-day quarantine, that's the one thing with the influx that we've even allowed in, because we still have repatriation flights only. That remains the one thing that has kept us safe up until this point. Um, and people are not getting it. The government needs to do a very big public uh, education campaign about why that 14 days is so critical. Because everyone is like, oh, just test them when they come in. That doesn't matter. You can test them a couple days before you can test them at the airport, even if they give a, neg- a negative My apologies, test result. The 14-day incubation period for this virus is critical. So they still have to remain in quarantine. And that is why we are testing them at the airport when they come in. They're not testing positive at that point, but they're testing positive at the end of their quarantine period. And I guess the general public still doesn't understand the importance of that 14 days. That's why our government originally had a plan of five days in quarantine and then a bio button. They had to abandon that because every single country, especially in the region that relies so heavily on tourism, that tried smaller periods of time, tried pre testing, has had an explosion of the virus the Bahamas, the Jamaica, and it was people bringing it back in. So, unfortunately, it might not be a popular position, but I think it's really the only one um, that makes any sense for the people of the Cayman Islands if we wish to maintain our numbers you know as close to zero as we possibly can and we still have i think last week we had like eight or ten infections and they were all from people who were in isolation and that simply demonstrates the power of what is happening um, with the coronavirus and how easily it can be you know and there's even a risk to our rate staff for example who are working these flights, I know they have a protocol with minimal contact on the flights, there's no in flight service, etc. But this virus is also airborne. And those people are touching surfaces. So there still is a degree of risk, even with um, allowing them to come in. So Danica, thank you so much um, for reaching out to us. I know you've got a couple stories that you were definitely chasing up and working on today. And uh, we will see you again next week, Wednesday. Next week. See you on, what is it called? Caribbean link up Wednesdays? Caribbean Connection.
2: Caribbean Connection Wednesdays. See Yay. you guys next week. And do mention me in the comments. If you have any issues, concerns, feel free to reach out. If you see a story that you know we don't have and that you'd like to see up on there, you'd like me to do some investigation in please feel free to reach out. Um, you know, I'm available six days a week. I take the Sabbath off and, uh, you know, definitely um, go ahead and reach out to me and I will see you again for another Caribbean
1: Connection Wednesday. Thanks you. Week. Take care. Right, Thank you so much. We appreciate it. So that's Danika who brings us our regional news um, around the Caribbean. She does a fantastic job of keeping us informed in terms of what's happening. So those are some of the highlights. Uh, COVID, the economy, some entertainment news, because she does um, you know, a bit of regional entertainment news as well. And so yes, thank you, Miss Danica, for that information. So folks, um, it has been an interesting couple of days. Um, there's, listen, there's no shortage of news, first of all, that happens. Also, there's another, um, I'm surprised that Danica didn't mention this. This is is a bit of a feel-good story. Um, Dancehall artiste Shenzi. I think that's how she pronounces her name, or Shenzi. Apparently, her son, Rogero Lee, again, I don't know how that's really pronounced, but her four-year-old son has just scored an endorsement deal with um, Chubby's he is Chubby's newest ambassador. This is a soft drink company. Um, so he's going to be doing some marketing for them. It's kind of too bad, actually, because, you you know, we all know the deal with sodas and um, the how they add to the girth of us as a community. And the soft drinks are not really healthy. We're all trying to break that habit. Um, but, yes. So, Louis, I'm glad that you approve of the name. Caribbean Connection Wednesdays, absolutely. So that's all we've got for you in terms of Caribbean news. But yeah, there's a lot happens around the Caribbean. And listen, folks, sometimes we take a little bit of flack. People are like, oh my gosh, why are you talking about Caribbean news? This is Cayman Mall Road. Well, I'm more than well aware that this is Cayman Mall Road. And 95% of our news remains very much local. However, we do not live in isolation, folks. And I know people think we do, but we don't. Um, Things happen around the region that impact us. And there are things happening around the region, around the world, that we should indeed uh, be paying attention to. So Danika does a good job of pulling out sort of the most important stories regionally. She is headquartered in Jamaica. So I know a lot of the the stories come out of Jamaica. But listen, folks, half of Cayman's population are Jamaicans. So hello. You know, we have a huge Jamaican influence here. Most Caymanians have Jamaican connections in terms of their family. So their grandparents or great grandparents actually came by way of Jamaica. No matter what they want to tell you, I'm telling you, the truth. So, uh, we, tr- we try to put a little bit, you know, extra effort into bringing you a more holistic approach when it comes to the news, because we do not exist in a vacuum or a bubble as it goes. So thank you, um, Louis. We we love that uh, some of you understand the vision and that you very much um, support it. And so in terms of coming up, tomorrow is Thursday. We're having Tech Thursday. Um, we need to build our Tech Thursday out a little bit. I must admit that we do need some corporate sponsors to come on board who are in the world of technology and start to share some tech tips and discussions, at least for about half an hour, a good solid half an hour of Tech Thursday news would be awesome. Um, but having said that, I do want to tell you that tomorrow, um, going forward into the foreseeable future, will also be our speakeasy uh, segment where we'll be bringing politicians on board. And Alric Lindsay is always up for a good discussion. So Alric has committed to joining us every single Thursday because we want to get to know Alric and his vision for this country, for Georgetown South. And so he has agreed um, to join us and have social discussions, social commentary. We're going to talk about the economy here in the Cayman Islands. Alwick is both a CPA and a lawyer. And so, um, you know, we're going to be having some of those discussions with him. So Louis wants to talk about drone tech. Uh, He says that that's huge. Uh, maybe we can reach out to some local um, videographers and photographers to bring them on board, uh, Louis, to talk a little bit about that. There are some security measures, I know for sure, that have to be deployed when you talk about you know, drone technology. Um, hmm, that's an interesting conversation. I've always been, uh, Louis, very, very interested in drones. Um, I don't think that, I, I think if I got a drone, it would crash because I'm not very good at like driving or controlling, you know, I think men are better at it because they've had a lot of practice on playstations and all these other things. Um, I guess some women probably have as well, but I, I could see that crashing and exploding in a fiery ball, you know, if I tried to do that, but I am still interested in like, I love to see drone footage when people incorporate drone footage into videos, I always think that is so cool. So maybe Louie, one day I will venture out and actually get a drone of my own and learn how to do it because listen, regardless of what your limitations are in life, you can always learn. That's the beauty of it, right? All right, good folks, that wraps up our um, segment pretty much for today. Is there anything else that's pressing? So tune in tomorrow, um, I think that let me just double check and see what we had on the agenda to discuss tomorrow. Um, I think that we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that's been going down in the Legislative Assembly. And I believe also Alric wants to discuss some of this legal services bill, which is something that the government is going to be pushing here shortly. And um, so Louis reassures me that today's equipment is top-notch and you would look like a pro my first flight. Oh, wow. So that means that it's probably flying itself. Like you just set the quadrants and boom, it's out there and it's ready to go. Um, hmm. Louis, from your lips to Santa's ears. Maybe Santa's watching the show today and he's thinking, yes, let's get Sandy a drone for Christmas. Hmm. We shall see about that, Um, but I've got other technology here that I need to learn and very, very quickly and um, get up to speed. We do have a new camera in the studio that has been sitting on my desk for two weeks and I've not even touched it because I'm the type of person who needs to read the manual first. That's just how I am, Um, you know, it's just my personality. I wanna read first, I don't wanna break anything or mess anything up i want to read and um watch videos and learn how to custom do my settings and all sorts of stuff and so i need to prioritize that in the coming week or two to try to get that done now i saw uh, miss sue earlier was mentioning that uh, she doesn't feel like savannah has a lot of options um and she'd like to see some candidates for savannah come forward Someone mentioned Wayne Panton. We need to check out uh, Wayne and inquire about this because I'm pretty sure that if Wayne runs again, which I I pretty much think that he will be, that he is actually going to be running against Alva Saku in Newlands because that's where he lives. And I think that's where he's most invested. Uh, It's quite interesting, though, that you say that Savannah has no real options. We have reached out to um, Miss... um, Gina Williams, who, as you guys will recall, had declared for Savannah. And, um, the last time this was mentioned, I forget when that was, somebody said, Hey, where's the candidates for Savannah? We want to hear from them. We did reach out to her and say, you know, people are, um, inquiring about where you're at and what you're doing. So this was the 15th of the month that we messaged her. And she said, not to worry that is forthcoming, but thank you for letting me know. So, I don't know when yet. Candidates, if you declare early, the purpose of declaring early is for you to hit the ground running. Not to declare early and then wait till January before we hear from you. That is wasting September. Shall we count September? Yes. October, November, December four months, but you could be taking your time, getting to know the people, the people have questions of you. You have to put yourself out there. Now, listen to me. When you put yourself out there in terms of politics, nobody said this was going to be easy. I had someone sharing with me yesterday that their good friend is supporting PPM candidates and is questioning their authenticity about something that they said. Thank you Brandon. So Brandon said it's pronounced Shensei or Shensi. Shensei. Why can't we just have simple names like Sandra, <laughs> Brandon, Louis? Nobody can ever get those names wrong. Walton. People go extra with the names, man. Shensei. Shensi. shen Shensia? Shensia. Shen-si-a. Oh, maybe that's it. Shen C A. I think that's how Brandon has it spelled out there. Very good. Uh, we'll get it one of these days, I suppose. I could go on uh, on YouTube. Somebody must have said her name at some point and try to get it pronounced correctly. Thank you so much for that, Brandon. We appreciate the phonics. The phonetic spelling helps us with the unusual names. So, um, yes, indeed. Uh, We have a couple stories that we continue to work on. There will be an update on the Cayman Brack um, woman who was hit by um, Mr. Raymond Scott. A lot of persons have been reaching out to say what's going on with that situation. So we will be posting a brief update on that today because we do have an update that uh, is available by way of the RCIPs. So I think that's it. That's all she wrote, folks. Um, Halloween is coming up. So let me just remind you that Halloween is actually on Saturday. That's this weekend. And a lot of the bigger Halloween celebrations, including the one here in Savannah, they will not be holding it this year. So you're going to have to take your kids trick-or-treating in smaller areas. Uh, Most of them are being canceled, including the one in Webster's Estate, because of the COVID restrictions. So, um, you know, try to... Make sure that you know what your plans are with your children. It's a shame because when you've got toddlers, like they're four, they're five, even the big kids, they really enjoy putting on a nice Halloween costume and going trick-or-treating. And I think of all the years, we need a sense of normalcy in 2020. 2020 has just been off the chain crazy, and it continues to get crazier we wanted to extend condolences to the family of miss sue Hines. um this was quite a shocking development yesterday but miss sue has passed away and um it, it was just unbelievable i mean i was so shocked when i heard the news she's the owner of tiny tots and most people know her in the community in that capacity she also worked at fidelity but of course she is a wife a mother a grandmother And so many people are going to sorely miss her. Um, This is a developing story that we might be reporting on because apparently she had what was supposed to be a routine um, procedure that isn't considered very major at all at the HSA. And the complications from a medical error, from what I'm hearing, uh, cost her her life. And listen, so many of you have been upset about this. You've been sending me pictures of the guy. I know who the physician is. I know what he does at the HSA and the whole nine yards. So I'm waiting to see if the HSA is actually gonna issue a statement about this. Normally they don't, because already they're lawyering up and they're trying to skirt around any legal responsibility. But I can tell you, this is not good. In addition to that, we do have a Caymanian and we know that this is the Cayman Islands. So when people get sick and they get ill, most of us know exactly um, who they are. So our thoughts and prayers also are going out to Mr. Courtney Miles, Inspector Courtney Miles, who is in the hospital. We understand that he has been transferred to Health City and he's actually been placed in a medically induced coma, but he is um, in stable condition. And so we are also um, keeping his family in our prayers and keeping him in our prayers as well. And um, I think collectively, there's a lot of power and positivity. And if you believe in the man upstairs, there's also a lot of power in prayer. So our thoughts are going out to Inspector Courtney Miles um, also, that he can make a full recovery from a health situation that he is currently dealing with. Folks, that's all I've got for you. Um, I wish you a beautiful day. Stay tuned to Cayman Mall Road. Like I said, we do have a number of stories that we are working on exclusively for you guys. So we'll see you tomorrow morning, God's willing, at 7:30 a.m. Um, you notice how my sinuses just automatically resolve themselves? It's the most bizarre thing. It happens in the morning and then it tends to disappear <laughs> by the time I stop talking and I stop doing the show. Uh, so, big shout out to everyone again. Congratulations to Miss Sharon and her family for the new grandbaby that's on the way. Uh, Brandon, Louie, Larry, Sophia, Mr. Walton, Jason, Marshall, Gina, Tracy, all of you Atlas, Ingrid, Cece, Crystal, Miss Della, Lizette, Bonnie, Elizabeth, Miss Sue, Miss uh, Morna, Bonnie Lee, every single one of you that make this your go to podcast spot every single morning and twice in the evenings. Thank you so much, folks. We really do appreciate your love and support. And we are gearing up, like I've said before, to be your go-to election headquarters. And we're gonna bring you all the news. We're gonna bring you the the straight news, the sus, the in-between, and some political commentary to make sure that you are well-informed so that when you go to the polls on May the 26th of 2021, you make the best possible choices for this country and yourselves. Folks, that's all she wrote. I wish you a beautiful day. Please uh, be safe on the roadways. The sun is out. It's gorgeous. Be productive. Let's all go get our coins because we got to pay the banks, those mortgages. We got to pay CUC, those bills, and um, hopefully have a little bit left over to either put in a savings account or maybe enjoy life a little bit. Anyway, folks, stay tuned. You've been listening to another edition of Cayman Mall Road.